Hello, Smart Firefighting community. Welcome to a mini content series hosted at the FRI show in July 2021 down in Charlotte, North Carolina. At FRI, we interviewed a range of technology leaders at the IAFC Technology Neighborhood. So please excuse some of the background noises throughout these episodes. I want to give a special shout out to Chief Jeff Doolin for making all this happen. Enjoy the content and please let us know what you think. Welcome back, everyone, to the Smart Firefighting Podcast here on the FRI floor alongside Battalion Chief Jason Lorenz and Fire Chief Chief Hutchinson. How are you both doing today? Hey, doing really well. How are you? Doing quite well. It's great to be back in the flesh with you guys and be able to do an in-person podcast, none of this uh, remote over Zoom thing. That's right. Yeah, it's definitely been different. A lot of people here. It's been nice to see. Yeah, and you guys are you're right down the road here in your Hickory, North Carolina, right? Yes, sir. We're about an hour away, northeast Charlotte. Fantastic. Well, I've had the pleasure of, of, of working with uh, fellow Marcus Scott on a, a couple of different podcasts and issues in the past and excited to hear more about what Hickory is doing, particularly from what you're doing with land mobile radio. So for those that don't have any context about what really the evolution or the, the basis of how land mobile radios are used and what you're doing, I'd love to have some context on how you're adopting them and, and maybe some, some interesting use cases of how Hickory is using them. Sure. So I'll do a little high level overview and then I'll turn it over to Jason, but I'm sure everybody's aware with the events of 9-11 and then Katrina, interoperability has always been a big issue and especially with us at the City of Hickory, we were limited in our radios and our coverage. We were VHF, we weren't, were not on the state system yet, so several years ago we decided to transition over to the Viper P25 network, it's uh, 800 megahertz, and in doing so we uh, did a regional grant. So basically what happened, we went from one radio in our fire trucks as portables, is what I'm talking about in general, to every position getting a portable 800 megahertz radio for the firefighters. And then basically we're moving over now into the P25, the second phase. So a lot of stuff still going, we're still developing things, but I'm gonna turn it over and let Jason speak a little bit more of how we do fire ground operations, what I think is critical, that the changes we made in the past 15 years, and I'll let Jason go over some of that. I guess to start out with, our biggest thing that we saw and looked at was uh, we didn't have the funding to do an 800 system citywide like some of the other larger municipalities. So the state was developing their Viper system, projected 270-some towers across the state from Murphy to Manio here in North Carolina. And they had the vision of putting it on as following P25 as it followed phase one evolution into phase two. So we were able to jump on that. But once we did, we realized we didn't have the in-building coverage. So we trained with our training division. One of the biggest things that we come up with was our gentlemen were going to go inside using the 800, using digital vocoders. The radios we have is perfect at taking out the background noise and audio. And it gets that strong digital signal back outside. But having capabilities to talking to our dispatch center and things of that nature, we didn't have that. And we had to work towards that. It didn't happen at one time. And so within the last year and a half, we were able to work with our radio vendor and was set up with another company local here in North Carolina, which was uh, JPS, and was able to get a Raytheon patch to put in the back of our two Tahoes that we run as our command vehicles. So now whenever our firefighters get on scene, they're able to go in. They're on direct modes, and all their signals are coming back out. Um, going to the patch, going over to another mobile radio, and the communication centers now has complete capability of being able to record any of our audio, something in the whole entire history of the Hickory Fire Department we've never had, except for within the last year and a half. 
so it's been one of those strives that we saw where things were coming, especially after 9-11, getting information in, information out, and how can we progress even further. And we're looking down the road to take some other changes to, to expand where we're going with our radios. Thanks for that context. And I, I've heard this often throughout these podcasts and being in the fire industry of hearing this challenge with interoperability and, of course, getting information in and out, uh, whether it's in like a confined space building with you know, heavy amounts of, of concrete, cement, whatever the, the building is made out of, or just across wide, long distances. And often I hear it, too, is like, because of 9-11, we, we now do this. How is it different today, you know, some of the biggest differences and kind of where do you see this program and everything you just talked about going? You know, what are some of the biggest changes that, that you still see and have the biggest room for opportunity for improvement? Well, real quick on the interoperability piece is what, what I think a lot of people are seeing, and it's just taken so long to get here. For instance, our local police department is on a totally different system, and we can't communicate with them because their radios are not compatible with ours. However, they are transitioning now over to Viper to this system. So I think a lot of places are understanding, even though we've been on an island, we need to quit being on an island and start working together. So the biggest thing is, although we can talk to each other on a fire ground and get that information back to the comm center, we still have issues with the other entities or, or responders coming into our scene. So that piece is also something Jason could probably talk about that we have that capability, but it's a little bit of a learning curve right now and we're waiting for those other entities to uh, you know, make that transition over to, to Viper. So we're getting there, but yeah, that's the biggest thing is all the different entities that come into an emergency scene and talking to them. Whether it's here at the, for the RNC, it was in Charlotte, or you know the DNC they had, I think it was, was another big one that the difficulty in talking just across federal, state, local radio channels. So you can imagine the chaos of just something like that. And there was, that's just normal operating day, so. Yeah, just, just a random Thursday, but nonetheless still challenges with being able to have a conversation. And one of the things I think that's helped the industry out is Project 25, being able to create an open architecture that all your radio manufacturers has to follow. So from the very beginning, bells and whistles, you can add on to that and then have your name brands and whoever you want to go to. But at the end of the day, whenever they build out radio systems, having an open architecture that is the same across the board and everybody has to meet those standards. And now with the federal government allowing, if you're going to turn around and, and go for grant funding, you're having to make sure you purchase a radio that meets this open architecture. So that helps out and is allowing us to, to get more radios in hands of people that can turn around and talk to us. And then after that, the skies are limitless because the radios can operate on multiple P25 systems. And that's a benefit. I mean, you can have, I know here in Charlotte, they're able to talk on statewide system their local system and then they can go and be deployed regionally and talk on other systems as well so those are some of the vintages we're looking at where we're looking to take this next step is to uh, implement lte to lmr so sometimes our command staff can't always get out on the scene or they're in a building and they don't get the coverage coming back in because that patch or that repeater is not there we're looking at being able to take and have in our vehicles our tahoe command vehicles the capability of getting the fire ground audio through our patch back onto an LMR or from that LMR setting over to LTE, being able to open up a smartphone and hear the fire ground audio, what's going on, things of that nature. And of course, many of us understand and know those acronyms, but just to give us 
full context, when you say LT LMR to break it down again, what does that mean? We're looking for LMR is going to be your land mobile radio over LTE, which is your long tail evolution, which is the main thing that your cell phones are operating off of. With app stores and or companies out there today, they're making these push to talk apps or being able to make it like the old Nextel walkie talkies. Well, certain companies are out there and they're able to provide the infrastructure set aside by FirstNet, which we're 100% users of that. That was another advantage that we were able to take at the Hickory Fire Department a year and a half ago. So all of our devices that we were operating between our the SIM cards in our vehicles versus our telephones that we issued our staff members to our iPads that we're using, things of that nature, it's all using FirstNet. And having the capability of using a FirstNet phone and use this push-to-talk app to where we can listen using technology on the other side, wherever it's at, wherever that fire incident's at, and hear what those guys are doing inside of a scene, it's it's unfathomable, but it's it, we're getting closer. Thank you for that context, and it helps, helps paint that picture clearly, so thank you. And what I'd love to hear from you now, kind of where you're at, you know, obviously you've, you've evolved and you've been some of the leaders in terms of this LTE to LMR transition and how you're adopting it. What's an example, or you have any sort of small case study of now with being on first hand to this, this new evolution of how you're using LMRs, of how it's made a, a standard operation go smoother? Or just, I mean, I think a lot of the goal of this technology is that you don't even realize that that's working. It's just all of a sudden your, your cell phone is doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, we had a political event. We'll just say, um, we'll talk about FirstNet. Uh, whenever it first came out, it was one of those things that was looked at. It was another program that was kind of pushed out by the federal government. Some people didn't want to jump on. I think the majority of the states did adopt the federal plan, which was good. North Carolina was a state that adopted a federal plan, did not have their own plan built out. And we were able to meet with our FirstNet representatives. But we had a large political event in our area, and we're able to look around and see people trying to make phone calls, trying to get out and share data. And we're in the command post and then have different crews stationed around the incident and was able to communicate with our FirstNet telephones and didn't have any issues at all. We were able to have that connectivity, have that priority preemption services, and was able to get back out to the other individuals at the communication center and without having any coverage. And it was around 25,000, 30,000 people within one centralized local area. So the local system was already taxed, and we were able to get out. So we were able to test a little bit with our push-to-talk capabilities on the phones, but we didn't get a full experience, but we were able to get the data sharing from videos and telephone using FirstNet at that instance. That's amazing. And again, as I mentioned earlier, it, was just, it made it simple. You know, you didn't realize it didn't have to do anything extra. It just worked when you needed it to work. So one thing I would love to hear from you as you being end users and, and you being someone in the field, oftentimes we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this community that are maybe spending a lot of time in front of a whiteboard and going down a rabbit hole that, that really is not worth their time or efforts and, and maybe need to have conversations with someone like yourself sooner so they can make sure they can deploy their resources to bring the most value to you. What would you say to f aspiring entrepreneurs that are working within hardware, software, some type of level of bringing this all together? Like what would be your call to action or challenge to them as they're trying to approach innovation to help make your lives better i'll take this one up i got to sit on the uh, tech council here at fri on tuesday and watch sitting here in the technology neighborhood seeing all these vendors come up and, and speak i think the tech council is going to be one of the places that can help out and i know behind me we got caleb holt with tech solutions reaching out and getting some of these entrepreneurs there's people like that 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 reach out and seeing some of the ideas and 
and hearing from some of these people, I think if they can get in touch with that tech council, they're going to help fund and or not fund, but get people pointed in the right direction. Seeing some of the technologies here you talked about, it's the innovation that's coming out there. That's not going to put the fire out. It's not going to solve the incident, but being able to have that information, that data, that very critically and being able to analyze it very quickly and put it down and go do actual hands-on tasks, it's remarkable. And, and I guess getting back to your question, Tech Council is probably going to be one of the, the key things. There were so many people in there, and they were not fighting each other of, my technology is better than yours. There was a lot of collaboration that I was able to see in there, companies wanting to work with their, each other and share their information with each other. Chief, anything you would rec- kind of call to action or add, maybe no, ask to there, the there's some of, There's a lot of things here that I think one of the biggest things is we always talk about accountability and, and where, where are people at. And I know we're, we're close. There's a couple vendors here that you can track where those firefighters are, and I think that's going to be critical. I know that the military is always on the forefront of that stuff, and it trickles down to us. But I know that for that battalion chief or whoever's up, you know, the commander on scene, it's knowing what, what's the condition of the people inside and what, what we have going on, and then potentially having eyes, a camera that, that goes back to the, that can sustain that kind of heat, that would go back to the command center. So there's a lot of stuff that we're already seeing that we've already used that, you know, using all the GIS and, and all those different layers of communications and computers that have made a big difference in the technology. So I, I think there's, the sky's the limit. I'm amazed at what I've seen here already. Fantastic. Well, any other final comments? Like I kind of said, you do a, a call to entrepreneurs, but any, anything else you want to, you know, knowledge or, or wisdom bombs you want to drop here before we close out here for now? No, not too much wisdom, but really uh, appreciate your time. Yeah, of uh, course, man. It's been man. great. Did, did you want to say something, Marcus? Yeah, Marcus, from the, from the side, what do we got? So, Kind of the, the thing we're going to say to the innovators is all this, all this tech is great. You look around the trade show floor and look at all the, the tech that's out here. But if firefighters are going to adopt this, it has to work. Failure is not an option. It's whether it's the fire truck or turnout gear or air packs or radios or whatever the next great technology innovation is, 95% of the time, 99% of the time is not enough. It has to work every time. So that's kind of where we're going to. So. Well, well said. And I mean, you heard it here, and I think it's important to know that while the tech may sound good and look good on paper and seem really cool on the whiteboard, it needs to work and make first responders' life better and more efficient, not harder and, and more difficult. So thank you all for, for all the leadership that you're doing within, within the Hickory Fire Department. And if they wanted to learn more, is there a Hickory Fire Department website or a means of getting in contact with, with any of you if they wanted to learn more or have, ask any questions? Yes, they can go to the City of Hickory website and drop down for departments and fire, and there's... Uh, emails there to contact us right on feel free to reach out yeah thank you guys for all you're doing and uh, look forward to talking again soon thank you take care guys thank you so much for listening to the smart firefighting podcast today if you enjoyed what you heard and got any value please drop us a rating leave us a comment or reach out to us on social media have a great day and together we can advance the future of smart firefighting